Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. There are times when a discipleship group, a life group, a Bible study group, men's group, whatever you want to call it, there are times when those do far more damage than they do good. Well, that's a pretty cynical thing to start the podcast. I tell you, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really wow. some stuff I've come across in the last few days. Hmm. I mean, it's it really, well, yeah, I. It may not be going too far to say it really makes me angry. Huh. That it, it really yeah. bothers me. I, I can definitely say that. That it really bothers me, and it reminds me of, you know, Paul had a pretty extreme reaction in Galatians one over the things that others were teaching the Galatians. Yep, you did. And you know, we talked some about it, but I've come across a couple of specific illustrations that I'm going to share with you. To point out of, because right. I think people need to be aware of this, and it, and so that's a little bit of what we're going to be. So here we go, the Fields Brothers here. show, so, and Jeff is riled up. So uh, uh, somewhat. So this is so. Jeff Fields, and the <laughs> other voice I'm is Roger my brother Fields. Roger. We are coming to you not live, but from uh, Central Kentucky, and just talking about what it is to live on this side of the cross. It is so important to know where we are. You know, this show is kind are. of de- detox, you know. We said that once before, but yeah. it's detox from religious obligations. And so, and there does need to be, there is some, uh, what was the term, some whiplash. There was a certain type of a uh, kind of a uh, conversational whiplash. whiplash. Yeah. We do change topics from, from time to time. Before we get into the more serious stuff that I'm riled up about, <laughs> did... I heard something in the news, this is kind of specific to Kentucky the other day, that they were, I don't know, there was an auction, I don't know where this was taking place, or if it was probably just online, I guess, but they were auctioning some hair from the horse secretariat. Did you see that, Roger? I did not see, I missed that. No. They had a, it was in a little container, you know, plastic or some type of container where you Great see into Great movie, by the way. You've it really is. That yeah, is I've seen that two or three times. favorite movies yeah, ever. We may have talked about that one time. Yeah. It, it kind of puts a lump in your throat there toward the it end. Does. When, oh, when it does. Oh, man. Comes around, it's a, it's a great, one of the best endings to any movies. You haven't seen the movie Secretary? Yeah, there, there are a lot of good parts of that. Yeah. But there is a, a, a three and a half inch circle. So it was kind of like a circle of hair. I mean, not just a single hair. I mean, you could see it. it you know, it's like of a hair clump of hair, but it was in a circle, right? And they're auctioning this uh, off. About a three and a half inch diameter circle. They're auctioning it off. And the bidding at that point, this was a week or so ago, had gotten up to about $1,200. Okay. And they were thinking it may go as high as 15000 I don't know, though. I haven't heard anything since then. So well, what would I- you give for it? Well, I don't know. I, it's already out of my price range, really. But I would love to have it. I mean, I would mount it somewhere and say, I don't know what I did. I don't know, you know. But I think it's quite an unbelievable horse, really, an amazing <laughs> story. Haven't seen the movie. See the movie. It's all worth it for the final scene. And for what it's worth, I don't know if this is of any interest at all to anybody. But you know, Roger and I grew up here in Central Kentucky, right in the middle of horse country. The, uh, the Kentucky Derby is run about an hour and a half away from us in, in Louisville, but there's another racetrack here in Lexington that's a huge deal. The horse industry is huge around here. But I don't know about you, Roger. I've never been to a horse race up until one. three or four years ago. Yeah, well, same here. Yeah, it's about six and or I've only been one time. Yeah, so, one time, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It wasn't really well, It's not really like far. we're steeped in the horse industry here. But, but once a year, we did pay attention to it. Once a year. 
Kentucky first Derby. Saturday in May. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we watched watch, the, watch the Kentucky Derby. The most Try to exciting out what two horses. Well, that's our first time yeah, we've heard yeah. of these horses. Like, who's this? <laughs> pull All out right, my, I guess I'll go for number. Uh, yeah. Whoever has the coolest name, yeah, I'll go then, number yeah. seven. Pull out know, the right? newspaper in the yeah. morning and say, okay, which one? You know, we didn't yeah. put any money on it, but just yeah. more for bragging rights. But yeah. anyway, let me. I need to get this out here in front of me. Two different examples of either Bible classes at a congregation or a informal group now near us or not no okay. no neither one of these are near us and, and i'm not going to mention both both okay. of these are in large well-known congregations though no nowhere right. nowhere near us i was looking at a website the other night of one place and they have a class it's a weeknight class that um it's called the like jesus series and i want to read to you off of their website their description of the class it says as Christians, we are called to not only like Christ, but to be like him. So you get the little play on words. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough just to like Christ. We're supposed to be like him. And it says, but to be like him, imitating and following his example is the life we should desire above all. And we've talked before, but I want to describe this. Then I want, I want us to address this a little bit. For someone who may be listening to us for the very first time and really doesn't hasn't heard a lot about the difference between you know why this would be because some people read this and think what in the world is wrong with this so I'm going to keep reading here the like Jesus series will show us how much we are not like Jesus so that we may pray and ask the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and follow Christ's example we got a little bit more not quite done but I mean just that much there I mean. So this series, we're going to learn to be like Jesus, yeah. and we're going to, they're going to show us how much we're not like Jesus now so that the Holy Spirit can change our hearts yeah. to follow Christ's example. do I example. get to comment? You well, mean, let me, let me, let me, let me right. just a little okay. bit more. It says, we will look at snapshots of Jesus' life and be challenged together on how we can be more like Jesus. Or make, okay, this, this is the last sentence, and this is real. There's a, there's a subtle or not-so-subtle not so jab here. Challenged together on how we can be more like the Jesus we truly admire and profess to love. Yeah, we don't really profess love him. We just to profess love. To yeah, love. basically yeah. saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to show you. You know, basically saying you are not like Jesus at all. You may think you are. You really don't. You love may, Jesus you may think you profess yeah. him, but you yeah. really don't. So this class is going to show you how far short you are, how yeah. rotten you are right now. And and hopefully we can pray and ask the Holy Spirit to change our hearts to follow Christ's example. So, what's your thoughts on that? Well, as a born again believer in Christ, one who does love Jesus and who puts his faith in Him, I like to say that's total hogwash. That entire that entire description you just what's read. The, what's the Greek word for hogwash? Do you remember um, what that was? Hogwashio, I think. That's okay, what I, <laughs> um, that's what I was taught. Hogwashio, hogwashio, and um, you know. There, I mean, there's, there's somebody angles. Point one is it completely leaves out what Christ has done for us on the cross through His death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, I thought of that. I mean, it's as if Jesus yeah. never died yeah. on the cross. They would, you know. it would mean. You know, I talked about that actually last night in another Bible group. You know, from a lot of churches. I mean, listen, I've been around to some churches. I have been to some churches you have. doing you have. this. I have yeah. been in every denomination many times over the 23 years doing an event. I'm in churches. I know churches. 
And I can tell you for a lot of churches, if, if Jesus hadn't died for us and risen again, it would not have changed anything for a lot of churches yeah. because they're not about that. And I believe it's pure, and this is maybe a little strong, but I, I say this with deep conviction, it's a lot, it's a lot of pure, sheer arrogance that we think that we can be like Jesus. We can be real followers of Jesus right now. We can pattern our lives and do what he did, and that we really don't need what he did for us. He needs us to do stuff for him. I mean, think about the, just the lunacy of that. You know, that you know the God of the universe is needs us, and we just really downplay Mm -hmm. the fact that we need him to do what he did for us. And so when you can look at the the life of Christ and with his death and burial, resurrection, and the New Testament, if you can walk away from that, from all of the scriptures where Paul talks about the cross, the crucifixion, the blood of Christ, all of that, and come away with, well, we just need to be more like Jesus. We just got to try harder. It's like, the, it's like the old story we've used many times, but I love the story. The girl comes home from church camp. How'd it go? Well, it was great. Same as every every year, you know. Um, God is good. We're bad. Try harder. And yeah. that's what that is all yeah. about. It's been, been a long time harder. since we mentioned that story. Try, just just do better. And and then, then we wonder why. So here's what, here's what really gets me. This is our, our, our thing. We just want to try harder and be more like Jesus, and we're going to beat each other up and get beaten up by our churches because we don't really love Jesus, and we're not really following him. And then we want people to be attracted to yeah, that message. Yeah. That's our message. Yeah. That's why Jesus came to this earth. And it's all free. It's uh, by grace. But once you get in, then it's this. And it's you know there's kind of two aspects of this that, yes, we're – how hourly are we going to do everything? Well, we one thing, just determining to do it does nothing. It's actually counterproductive. If you just tried harder, Jeff, if you just got more determined, more committed, that's your problem. You just don't have enough commitment. Okay, you could be more like Jesus. There you go. Well, right. that, you're touching on the other one I'm going to bring up here in a little All bit. Right. But, <laughs> but the idea here is that you know we will show you how much we are currently not like Jesus so that we may pray and ask the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and follow Christ's example. Well, from a spiritual standpoint, from an eternal standpoint, yeah. you know that totally ignores scriptures that says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Right. Totally ignores scriptures that say the old man is crucified. You know, our old man was crucified with him. We're buried with him. Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, you know, Christ is our well, life. Every You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. So in that regard, we are like Christ. Christ is our life. Well, and the idea so, that you can, you pray to change your heart. In other words, yeah. I kind of thought the New Testament was pretty clear that when you put your faith in Jesus, you receive him, you get a new heart. Right. You are a new creature. But no, according to this, we got to see how bad we really are, pray, and then maybe the Holy Spirit will then change our heart. And that was part of the promise in the Old Testament, the promise that, that we would, in the new covenant, would be well, given a new heart. And so that happens at the point of faith when a person sees Jesus and sees that they have that he has died on the cross, he's buried, risen for them, and then we receive the life that was lost or that was forfeited or that was turned away in the Garden of Eden, the, the life that was intended for man that was rejected by Adam and Eve and, and not partaking of the tree of life, that life that we were designed to have, that God created us to have spiritual life within us, we receive that life when Jesus comes into our heart as we believe on him, and that that is the new heart. And so 
when you have teaching like this, that is telling people who were, who are already born again, already righteous in Christ, they've been made the righteousness of Christ. Their Holy spirit is or their spirit is joined with the spirit of the Lord. They are part of the body of Christ. And then we tell them you're not like Jesus at all. You need to pray to change that. I mean, that is, it's an affront to the gospel. It's it really fr- is. It is. It's an affront to the entirety of the fact that Jesus gave his life to us. He gave us his righteousness. He is our life. It completely negates negates all that. And, I mean, you know, I tell you, I struggle with just how to handle that in a lot of circles. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you want to be gracious and speak the truth and love and all but i mean when you gut the heart out of the gospel like that and that's really what that does yeah yeah it just cuts the life out of it it's i don't know i'm like you it kind of upsets me too okay well this is another one a different congregation uh kind of tied to a congregation but this is a um what's called it's a men's group called a discipleship group oh boy and you know, sometimes Listen, just for just a side note here from Roger, if you see there's anything called discipleship, like a discipleship group, discipleship program, just run. That is a code word for we're going to put a lot of religious obligations on you and you're going to feel pretty bad when you can't live up to them. So I've got a couple of snapshots here of some of the material. So a, a booklet or a book or booklet that a, a men's group uh, is going through right now in another part of our country It's part of a affiliated with a large, well-known congregation. Quotes the Luke 14 passage, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. From Luke 24, verses 26 and 26 and 27. And then it has a quote from Jim Elliott, one of the uh, the missionaries that was murdered by the um, Alka Indians many, many years ago. And then it goes on to talk about you know, what it means to be really committed. And this one part, you know, it talks about that, yes, a wife is important and has a vital place in the heart of a husband, and a husband is to love the wife. But then it says this, that in terms of what's most important, that most important place belongs to Jesus. And then it says this, a husband or wife may not want his or her spouse to have an unwavering commitment to Jesus. While most appreciate commitment, an absolute one can cause conflict church attendance, evening worship services, life group involvement, involvement on Wednesday nights, tithing, reading the Bible, and praying together, defining success, how issues are dealt with, ministry to other people, mission trips. These are just a few places where the choice of pleasing a spouse or pleasing Jesus are faced. Can you believe that? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that, a discipleship group? And and a lot of times they, these are designed for, you know, to help new believers. And so they're you're, you're, we're telling Perhaps a young married, you know, a young husband and father, okay, if you really want to be committed, you need to be Wednesday night, discipleship group, tithing, going to mission trips, doing this, doing that. And if your wife is not on board with all of that, then that's a test of your commitment. Or do you really love Jesus more than your, your wife? That is horrible. It's nuts. I mean, that is you know that, that's that. See, that's the kind of stuff that I was referring to, and I made this statement a long time ago. That my epiphany, one of my epiphanies, was that it seemed to me, in my way of thinking, that it would be easier to be a Jew under the law than to be a Christian under the yeah. new covenant. When, yeah. when that's the kind of stuff yeah. you got to live up to, they didn't yeah. have to do it. Nobody ever said that to the Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, even under the law, it wasn't that hard. But we have made Christianity so. Hard, unbelievable. A, a lot of that ends up. I mean, there's different things wrong with it, but it it 
equates commitment to Jesus with commitment to a human organization. Yeah, you know, right. You got to come to our Wednesday yeah, night right. groups. You got to give our money. Programs, right. And it's, there's yep. no separation between right. devotion to God and devotion to our program, right. our institution. And, right. and that is horrible. Right. And so now there are times where it is good to be committed to a to a group and to an organization, things like that. But to put it in that context, then tithing, we, we, don't, we won't get into tithing right now, but you know we, we think that's part of the old covenant and, and don't want to put that burden on people or to give according to our heart, according to uh, the New Testament and what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. But to put this burden on people, then one other part of this same uh, discipleship group, so it's questions for you to think about, uh, does your relationship with God ever lead you to tears? Do you ever shed tears of repentance broken over your coldness of heart, over your sin, over lost opportunities, over the lost condition of humanity? So do you shed tears over your cold heart, Roger, your sin? I, I think that, you see, here's what I'm amazed people don't see, and that is that when you make the focus on your on yourself, on your own failures. And we all have failures. We all blow it. And when you make that the focus and you beat yourself down, then you wonder why that message doesn't resonate with unbelievers. Why don't people come flocking to that? Well, there's no good news in it. And there's no power in that either. There's There's no transformative power in that. it's, It's an obligation that strips the cross of its power and you're left with an empty religious shell. And so it's not that we're opposed. I mean, we want, you know, there's a common goal that we share with the people that would that would write a book like that and would lead a group like that. We all want people to experience the reality of God in their life. We want people, we want believers to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We, we desire for ourselves and for others to see the Holy Spirit producing fruit in our lives, producing love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and self-control and, and, and the rest of them. But we just know that that not only does not not only does that method not achieve that, it achieves the very opposite. That is bringing people under the law, and that too, if we're going to experience that type of life, it only comes through trusting in the life of Jesus and what He has done and who He has made us. And so, rather than telling people you need to be more committed, you need to be more committed, you need to be a better disciple. And the disciples didn't have all that good of a track record. I mean, the actual disciples blew it a lot of times. So that's not the standard. But that we tell people of who they are in Christ, that they are new in Christ. Christ, when when he died, you died with him. The old self is already dead. The new life, Christ is your life. He lives in you. And as you believe in him and as you trust in him and enjoy fellowship with him, he will produce his life in you, and that is good news. And that does transform lives, and that, that is a message that right. that uh, that is good for people to hear and will be drawn to. And again, I will say, it: before the cross, it was primarily about what you do for God. After the cross, it was solely about what God has done for you in Christ. Done for us and to us with that. Um, um, one, make sure I... I tell you about this that uh, I knew this a week or two ago told mom about it but I didn't tell you but it was really encouraging so this will be kind of different kind of appropriate that we're seeing this in contrast to what we just described uh, with these other groups the um, friend of ours here in town that has bought a lot of books and has given away a lot of our books so we wrote the book Breaking God the Hex God bless his heart <laughs> Breaking the Hex Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion um, that book has been used for different study groups 
And what, uh, what Roger, what I learned just about a week and a half ago that um, my friend Mark had recent, has recently been leading a group of uh, young ladies in a resident recovery home that's here in Lexington. So it's a resident recovery home for women. He's on the he's a board member of the group that sponsors it. This is a group that one of my daughters used to work for. Is that the I do you know? don't think so. Okay. I'm not hundred percent right. sure. All I don't right. I don't think so. They have three or four resident homes in Lexington. Yeah. But there's a new one very close to where my office is right now, downtown. Okay. And so these are young ladies that are often coming, I guess often if not always, coming out of prison. He didn't use the term halfway house, but I kind of that's kind of the impression I got. Okay. And so obviously, you know, very um, difficult, challenged backgrounds and all this. And so he um, he recently, you know, purchased 10 books a while back and then came back for another 10 just a few weeks later, a month later. He's with the first 10, went to this resident house. And he's been leading these ladies in a study using our book to do it. And he said he walked in the other day and one of the young ladies was holding the book up and says, why did you give this to us? And, you know, he wasn't real sure what she was, <laughs> what angle she was coming from. And she, she went on to share that she had grown up in a very strict religious home and that this book for the first time had opened her eyes to see a God who loves her and wow. what Jesus had done for her on the cross. Wow. Isn't wow. that great? Yeah. I mean, when he was sharing that with me, and he said, evidently, they're all kind of experiencing that, mm, that wow. they are all, because it is so different when you've been raised to think of God as an angry deity that's always frustrated at you, and you just got to do better, and you, you got to do this more, and you got to be more committed. I mean, that drives someone away from a loving Heavenly yeah, Father. Yeah. And when they see that it's not a matter of me doing all these things, but that someone has already done them for me and in my place, and he's now is ready to come live in me, I mean, that is transformative. And so when we, when we, you know, so that the power is in the gospel. The power is not just in telling people to dry harder and to make them feel guilty and shameful because they're not being like Jesus enough. The good and the power is in the gospel to letting people know that, yeah, you're not good enough. You never are going to be good enough if it's based on your outward performance but someone has already done it for you. And when you believe in him, then you are joined with him. He's the vine, you're the branch, and he begins to produce his life in you. And that is the good news, and that is the power of the gospel. And when you know, when Paul said in Romans 1, I'm ashamed of the gospel, you know, we grew up, you're probably like me, Roger. You know, I grew up thinking, okay, I'm not ashamed in front of the pagans of the world, you know, the atheist of the world. We need to be, you know, we're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel. But when Paul wrote that, it was really more he was comparing it to the Judea, the Judaizers and the and the other Jews that he, you know, who were in the putting old covenant religious with. obligations oh, very religious, on, yeah. on people. And that's right. really the same truth today. So many times those of us who do see the new covenant, the, the divide of the old covenant before the cross, the new covenant on this side of the cross, and see the transformative power of the gospel and proclaim that then we get criticized. And so there's a time. And so just hearing these things, like I've heard this past week, kind of giving me a renewed boldness to really, yeah, yeah. to proclaim the cross, nothing but Christ and him crucified. Yeah. And that is the good news. Well, I love the verse you just mentioned, you know, in Romans one, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Mm -hmm. I'm, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news. You know, there's a lot to be ashamed about when you look at the church in general, the church at large over the years and the history of the church, we've done a lot of dumb things. But you never have to be ashamed of the fact 
that God loved you enough to send Jesus to pay the full price for your salvation on the cross, rise again, and that every obligation has been met. Everything has been met that God requires, all been done by Jesus. It's good news from start to finish. He has paid the full price. You just accept it. That's it. And when, Nothing to be ashamed of. And when we see that, we don't. you don't have to have someone tell you to go out and Share that with somebody right, else. Right. You, you don't have to be made feel guilty because you're not making disciples. You're not yeah. fulfilling. When you know good news, you naturally want to tell others yeah, you know, good I've news. Heard, I've heard so. some, you know, parents say, you know, I'm just, I love to see my kids, you know, the grown kids, come to the Lord, but I'm not sure what to say to them. And I'm thinking, let's try the gospel. Yeah. You know, have you ever thought about just, just the pure, unbelievable good news that God has paid the entire price for everything that uh, that we need just amazing one quote i came across this week i really like from malcolm smith great teacher great uh, author if you have any chance to read anything about malcolm smith uh, please do you will not be sorry he says the bible is a menu not the meal the bible is a menu not the meal the menu tells us about the meal can describe the meal but it's not the meal. In the same way the Bible describes God, describes Jesus, tells us about Jesus, but the meal is Jesus himself, the real living person. Good stuff. Good stuff.